0: Welcome, everybody, to this week's show. I'm super excited because I am actually interviewing a dear friend of mine, someone that I have known for, well, 17 years, he just told me, when he first met me. And uh, he's been around our work for that long, and he's someone that I respect greatly. I've seen massive changes in Peter since he started working with us and uh, I'm not going to go on too much more let's get straight into the interview and see where we go. Welcome Peter.
1: Hi Perry. Hi everyone.
0: So Pete 17 years when we first met each other and we're on the Gold Coast remember that and uh, you're a very different man now to the man I first met and just quickly you are a lot of the business development work for one of the major engineering firms
1: in Australia
0: here. And uh, how long have you been in that role now, Peter? Uh,
1: I've almost been at this company for 18 years, but um, the role's changed over that period of time. Um, And yeah, as you said, I met you almost 17 years ago. Yeah.
0: And the other aspect with this is that one of the reasons that I wanted to interview you today is engineers I've worked with a fair few engineers, and they end up loving this work. When they first come to the work, it's a bit like, Burr. but then they understand that the personality is a structure, and I would say that my engineering clients really get that sooner than most people. Does that make sense to you, Peter? Well, I don't think you and I have talked about that, but I just really noticed the engineers. Oh. Yeah, it's
1: spot on, I mean, no, yes. Coming into this work, well, not only did I not, did I I guess struggle to to come into the work. It was my wife that more or less encouraged me to to, to do the work to start with. She knew something I didn't. Um, but I think it's the whole structure. I like to, uh, I guess engineers are taught to think in a certain way, very left brain in some ways. And yeah, the the, the way even way back then that you explained the process for me was that. I can even remember you sort of saying you're going to love this current reality, where you're trying to get to and the process in between. And for whatever reason that appealed to the logical part of me. Um, Don't know if I was really up for the 17 years that followed and all the things I'd have to do to to change, but um, I didn't know that at the time. (laughs) Sometimes you're better off not knowing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, that's like building businesses. Peter, I always have a joke about this, you know, like people... They're really enthusiastic about building businesses and uh, and excited and inspired, kind of like babies. Think about this for a moment, right? And uh, you know, it's like the new baby. It's like, oh, I'm so excited about the new baby. But your 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 business and your new baby are going to cause you so much pain, so many sleepless nights, right? And it's, it's it's that initial, it's that initial inspiration, like that carries people into it. And it's a really good thing, because I think without having that inspiration, right, if you really knew what it was about, having a baby and, or building a business, you'd be like, there's no way I'm going near that, kind of like what you meant before when you first came to this work. Oh
1: no, geez. And Perry, actually, if I stop and this is interesting, because if you stop and think about it, so I met you 17 years ago, and the, re- the only main reason I remember that number was it was just before our oldest child was born. So if you wind the clock forward, we've now got three kids, the oldest, as I said, some 16 and a half. Um, and I've been with the, this business, if you like, about the same period of time. So that not a, for me at that period of time, if I stop and think about it, I was, you know, if you like, embarking on a, on a new path in my work life, a new path from a family point of view, and then finding a bit of change in the mix at the same time. It wasn't planned that way. It was just the way it happened. and um, So I've changed for... Not only because of the work, obviously having three kids and um, all that comes with that, that's um, been a, a big catalyst for a lot of things that change in seventeen years.
0: Yeah, but Pete, let's actually start with that. So, uh, what what we'll try and do now is just to, just if you can envisage what difference did doing this work make to you? Do you think? Like, if if you compare to doing this work to not doing this work, um, how would your life be different? I mean, uh, yeah, how would your life be different if you hadn't done this work versus you've done it and
1: uh, you've kicked some pretty good goals in your life? Um, I think, um, because I remember you explained 17 years ago, um, I think you've sort of pegged me as this, Peter, you're a bit like a locomotive on a train line. Um, which is all fine if the train's heading in the right direction, but if you aren't setting the course for where you want to go, uh, that sort of stuck in my mind because I am i am a creature of habit. I'm sure a lot of people are, but I'm, I'm very much so a creature of habit. Um, and if I don't disrupt those habits and sort of, if you like, set a path for where I want to be, um, I can very readily um, continue down a path that's not so good. And that, for me, whether it's to do with, Money, business, relationships, whatever it is, um, I, the, where I would have ended up um, would be vastly different. I mean, my relationship with my wife would be different, the kids, uh, and I'm not saying it's perfect. Everyone has uh, challenges. This work's, not, this work's not about being like, it's perfect at the end of it. Um, it's like a work in progress, but the, everything would have been different. And even the role that I'm in today um, in the business, um, I I was an engineer, Engineer, like I wasn't a, 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 a people person, um, even though I, well, I learned at the time that um, connecting and um, whatnot is actually one of my gifts. It just was pretty buried at the time when we met.
0: Yeah, it's actually interesting, Pete, when you talk about that now. I can't help myself. I'm like, I'm breathing a bit. It's like... That is right, so you you can really see you can really see your your ability to work with people and actually be aware of people we're actually we'll dig into your role a little bit because I think this works really helped you in how you uh, how you are in your role but it it's your that whole people aspect has really come up, and you're right you always had it because people liked you and they listened to you. I always remember that. If you spoke, they would listen to you because they felt safe with you and you weren't judgmental from that part of you. And so they could feel that, so they would open up to you. And you were always curious. One of the things that you've always been as curious, curious to know about yourself and curious to know about other people. And just before we get into this, I'll set this up for the audience a little bit. So one of the things, that Pete, is really strong in the analytical uh, aspects, a uh, highly uh, evolved logic, which of course he has to have as an engineer. Probably when I first met Pete, he probably relied too much on that and, and not on the feeling aspects. And so this other aspect that we're sort of touching base with now uh, really allows Pete to do his role really, really well and it's, it is a people aspect to him. So a people aspect is the opposite to logic because logic exists without feeling. It, it, it can't really connect with people where Pete actually has a part of him that can connect with other people and he actually can pick up feelings about them. He, he gets a sense about where they're coming from, which is, I don't think you would have had that ability if you hadn't done this work like you had Pete, I, I, I could imagine.
1: Oh, I didn't even know when you uh, way back when you were talking about how does that feel? What are you feeling? I, I just had no connection to feeling whatsoever. Um, and even when I started to, I didn't trust it anyway. So it was sort of. Um, I, I think we at some point we must have had this conversation because the first the way I learnt to feel was through um, using the logic, if you like, and um, and I, I was supposed to. Just, to explain that a little bit further was rather than sit there and go, oh, what am I feeling at the moment? I'd look at the other person and, I don't know, use the, look at the facial expression of the other person or the, the tone of the voice and go, oh, well, that must mean X, Y, Z, which I guess is in some ways, well, in many ways, using logic because I was trying to make up for the fact that I, I wasn't able to use the feeling part. And um, I think I think I still do it. somewhat. I'm, I'm probably using a combination of both. Um, but I'm, I, for me, it was even because you know I'd seen other people who who could feel, including even my wife, who's, who's the complete opposite, is more feeling orientated than than um, logic. And it just, I just, it's a foreign concept. It was a foreign concept to me at the time that even people operate differently. Um, so yeah. I, I improvised, I think is probably the way to put it, um, to start with, and that it, it would be very easy back at any point to have a, the first few years to go, oh, I give up because I can't feel, and therefore I can't do the work. But for whatever reason, because I was getting, I guess, results along the way and learnt along the way to feel um, and knew that that was important because of the coaching work, and that sort of helped me.
0: Yeah, I mean, thank you for that. Like, you, know, you can probably see from my face when you're telling me. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued about that. I mean, that's amazing. What, I love what you, you've done. I don't think you and I ever talked about that, you see. So you're using logic and you're analysing and that helps you understand where the other person's coming from. So you're using really strong observational skills of facial tension, the way the person's eyes are set, tone of voice, Oh, I know you've gone past that, by the way. I don't know if you know that. You, 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 you. Oh no, have... I, I know I've gone past it, but yeah,
1: yeah. uh, I think I still use a combination of the two. But, yeah, um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Really interesting because um, <laughs> I'm not supposed to do this on shows and podcasts, but I can't help it. But I'm really seeing a similarity between you and Josh. So, for those that are um, don't know Josh, and most of you won't, Josh is a. a, a a good friend of Pete's, and they work together. Um, they do some coaching in the engineering space, which we'll talk about in a second. But uh, again, Josh is, and Josh was trained by me. Josh has worked a lot with me. And he, again, really strong logic elements. But he does have a, a natural ability to feel. But where I'm seeing the, the both of you are, are really similar is people trust you both because they can feel they can feel safe with you, because they can feel non-judgment. And for those listening or watching this, um, most people don't feel safe in exploring their vulnerabilities or aspects of their life that aren't working for them because they're afraid of being judged. And so when you're in any position of management, training or or any position of power, even as, as a head of a family, you really wanna be able to develop good listening skills um, from a non-judgmental perspective because then people feel safe about sharing where they're challenged, where their weaknesses and vulnerabilities are. And it's not until someone can can own their weaknesses and vulnerabilities that you can really assist them to deal with those weaknesses and vulnerabilities. I mean, the first uh, part of change is owning what needs to be changed and that can be confronting sometimes because we have to own things that our egos don't want to admit to ourselves. We live in a world where we're taught we have to be perfect. We have to show this, we have to be that. Um, so uh, until you reach a certain stage of consciousness, you'll sort of carry that game on and, and not want to own. So it's just really important that anyone that wants to, to uh, you know, have big impact on an organisation or a business or a family or, or friends, developing non-judgment and the ability to be present and listen to people is really important.
1: So, so Pete, I, I can imagine. Harry, just, um, yep. I, I was just going to come, uh, maybe an example, and this is as latest as yesterday. So you mentioned Josh and yes, Josh is working um, for me in the business that I'm in at the moment. And um, what that work is is really, well, go back a tick uh, because of my role and um, I'm responsible for other people like me doing what they're doing in, in quite a large firm. Um, I a couple of years ago I started looking at well you know, acknowledging what I how much I'd changed I'm talking about in terms of the work that I've done the coaching work I did with you and and Josh and then what impact that had not maybe not intentionally but but here here where I work and and I thought okay now now I'm responsible for driving this part of what we do we need. We need more people that are, if you like, in the market, um, um, connecting with clients, connecting um, yeah, um, with people in general. Um, and that's whether for us in a, in a professional services firm. so if forget what we do at the end of the day, we're just providing a service. And we have internal issues with people and we have external issues with clients. And I think it would be no different than any other business. Yeah, so we... At that point in time, I went, okay, I, I could probably. It was a, I guess for, for me, a bit of a leap of faith because I wasn't sure how the the business or the people in the business working with me would respond. And I, I got Josh to come in, and um, subsequently, he's doing a lot more than what he did initially. And I was having a conversation with one of the people he coached, who works with me quite closely, yesterday. And that person was just relaying somebody internal issues he was having with um some of the leaders here and um I, come, I, I i got into a conversation with him because he'd been done some coaching work with josh i sort of said well look um have you really simple thing have you have you actually spoken to the person about this issue and he said oh and, and straight away just avoiding com, confrontation and conflict and I know that because I know I've got a huge part of me that was like that as well. So I was like, okay, the only way forward, you just got to go and talk to them. So that, the follow-up conversation to that was he went off and did it and it's, you know, it's, it's one of those slow burn issues mm-hmm. Not going to be solved overnight. And I was like so happy for the individual that, that a lot, these type of issues between individuals in a workplace uh, can gnaw away, gnaw away at people's energy. They would gnaw, gnaw away at individuals even outside of work. And you go, man, this is, um, all for no real gain to punt the issue. And then the se- second part of the conversation, this is last night with the individual, is, yeah, it pays to be a bit vulnerable. And this, you know, for you to actually sit down with an individual and actually have this discussion about, like, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, um, but there's clearly an issue going on between us, that takes my like, courage, vulnerability, vulnerability, um, I can't even say that word, but um, it, yeah, it makes me really happy that, you know, and I've sort of said to him that this, this work, you've got to be a little bit vulnerable. You've got to keep testing yourself and pushing yourself in a vulnerable way because it's the only way you're actually going to change and evolve um, going forward. That's, that's no different in personal life versus um, work. No, that's right, Pete.
0: You're really digging into a subject that's close to my heart at this point in time, and I just want a couple of things are coming to mind. I mean, you're in an engineering firm, and it's a large one, um, and here you are bringing this work into an engineering firm, and how how times are changing, um, Pete. How many how many people are you responsible for
1: in your organisation? Oh, there's only five directs, but there's indirectly we've we impact of hundreds. So yeah. Yeah, hundreds. Yeah. Everything everything Yeah.
0: Close to thousands, I would imagine. Is that correct?
1: I don't know, so that's sort of less than a thousand here in in Queensland, but it's um yeah, it's very very everything's on a big scale. And if you get things kind of wrong, it doesn't quite work out well for a lot of people. So Yeah, of course.
0: So so I'm I'm just really interested in a couple of things here. I mentioned what you're what you're attempting to do. I'm also interested in some changes that I can see in you, because I can really see this whole, the, the whole leadership aspect of you has developed so much over the years. Um, <laughs> but let's just come back to what what, what you're doing with the organisation. So you, you've got your leaders, and I take it from what you're saying that it's really important that you coach your leaders and get them um, to a better space from an, an emotional intelligence perspective. So you're, you're hoping that that knocks on to their
1: their direct lines, is that correct? Yeah, well, when I mapped this out with Josh um, a little while ago, it's like, yeah, the, we'll start, it's, it's, it's almost like you call it on a pilot scale, let's start with five individuals who are in the market every day, um, because at the end of the day, it's almost no different to me, everyone's slightly different, but they um, and one of our, I guess, I think this would be the, probably no different with any sort of um, professional service type firm. Is um, our, our success in the market is tied somewhat to the number of conversations we're having in the market um, and connections we've got in, into the market. Um, and there is a real fear. I mean, I, even I had this fear was not unique. It was um, in talking to people or knowing how to talk to people. Um, particularly the ones you don't know, but um, yeah, even the people you do know, where you're professional services, you're often, often working with someone, but how do you turn that conversation into something about the future opportunity or the next opportunity uh, going forward? So um, I, it's, a, it's a challenge for anyone that's um, come from a particular, sort of whether you're an accountant, a lawyer, a engineer or uh, whatever, um, I, I think it's pretty universal. Yeah, the, the the ability to build good quality relationships and quickly
0: and build rapport, understand the other person, understand where they're coming from, what their personality styles like, so that you can connect with them. Correct. That's what you're looking
1: for. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I just want but to come to you, but don't lose sight of the the, the the thing that I, I mean, you don't embark on this in the setting. I'm in mean, for this reason, but. It, my own journey with it has been that the benefit of this work will impact, will benefit the individuals who are doing the work, whether it's at home, it's at work, it's within the business, dealing with your own people you're trying to influence or externally when you go to the market. So there's, there's sort of no border to where it starts and stops. Oh, yeah. um, what, the, 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 initial, the initial reason, if you like, is market placing with the people on. am Responsible war, but that's not. I, I kind of knew going into it. That's not. But not the where it starts and stops. In terms of no, I, I really love
0: what you're saying. Right, it's kind of funny because I got a corollary to that. It's all my business clients. Right, we, I build them out of their businesses. We get them way more profit, but they all come back and go, "Oh, my relationships at home are so amazing now and so good now and all of that sort of stuff." Because. You can't do the work for a commercial end without it impacting everything else. Peter, I want to go back, because you are the head, you're you're the one that's sort of bringing this into the, the, the business. When did you have to learn this yourself in the sense of learning to build relationships, connect with others
1: as part of your professional development? Oh, yeah, I did. Um, like I like came in it 17 years ago, almost 18 actually. When I came into the firm, I was more in a technical orientated role, but um, I, I obviously had at that point some sort of natural inclination to be dealing with people, uh, clients. I'm talking about mainly, um, and that that just felt more natural to me, and um, so obvious in terms of what where I could add value. Um, I, I had no no idea where I'd be going forward, but I think, um, yeah, that, that, that part of it, I guess, yeah, I don't know how to describe it. That, 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 that was clearly natural. I've obviously learned a few things along the way um, about it. Right. And i see okay. so many people that struggle. The, 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 in, a, in a business, um, in a very large business, I, you know, there'd be probably 90% of people that struggle with that. Um, my
0: guess, yeah, which would impact the culture, impacts everywhere. So, so yeah. from the perspective of the work, let's just still drill into the work. I'm gonna, I'm interested in in a couple of aspects of this. But you know, obviously, the first thing that we're always teaching everybody is to learn to introvert awareness and observe self. And just quickly, for those that are listening or watching, and might be new to this. Um, we, when we grow up, we are all highly identified with ourselves in that we... we <laughs> I'll rephrase this. The normal average person has very little awareness of themselves. They don't really know themselves because they are identified with themselves. So they can sort of feel all these feelings in their body and they, they can sort of see some of their behaviours. But in, in this work, we introvert awareness, because you're not taught this in school, but you should should be, to introvert awareness. And as you start to introvert awareness, you start to own how you operate. Now, this probably sounds very weird unless you have an understanding of it. It's like saying, you know, it's like talking about Venus, but you've never been to Venus. Um, where, say, for someone like myself and Pete here, he's we're trained to introvert awareness and observe ourselves observe every behavior observe how we think how we feel and if you keep practicing that what actually happens is it's almost like you can sit back in this really non-judgmental space and just see everything about your yourself and the reason that we do this as an initial part of any of our training is you to change anything, or to become masterful at anything, first of all, you've got to be very aware of what's in you that undermines being masterful, or what, what's in you that's sabotaging or limiting. Um, and and uh, so this is what we call the awareness phase, because there's a transformational phase, but the awareness phase. And awareness phase is really, really important. Now, another way of saying this, and I don't have my glasses on my desk here, but. The personality is an operating structure, right? This is what the engineers get to understand. It's an operating structure. And most of you watching this will be identified with the operating structure. And this operating structure of your personality, it carries all sorts of stories. And these stories are constantly telling you things and and you'll believe them. So where do these stories come from? Well, genetics, from experiences uh, that you had growing up. Uh, traumas. So, so anything that uh, developed a huge emotional load in your system will lock in a bunch of belief systems into this operating structure. Now this operating structure of your personality is made up of parts. So what do I mean by parts? As an example, um, uh, a real basic one for me is I have a lover connector. My lover connector is all about connecting with people. It's all about Um, having shared experiences, its highest values is love, that part of me. But I have another part of me that is uh, aggressive, is full bore and can fight. And uh, this part of me doesn't have love in it. It has hatred in it, right? And uh, again, just notice how clearly I can communicate about those parts because both parts are required. As an example, if we have to go to war um, and I only had this loving part, well, I'd be useless at war. So this other part that can access anger and hate and violence, as an example, may be required to protect my family or go to war. And so none of the parts in themselves are wrong but they can be wrong because they come out in the wrong place. So if my aggressive part comes out in my home environment or my working environment, then you would consider that sabotaging. You'd consider that dysfunctional. So a master would make sure this violent, aggressive part only comes up when it's required to protect the family or go to war or or maybe needs to deal with some issue that that, a little bit of that kind of heavy-dutiness could be effective. So coming back to the key principle, so this operating structure of your personality is made up of different parts, and then you introvert awareness and learn to observe all those different parts, then you know yourself really well, you know your strengths and weaknesses really well, you now know what you need to work on, but this just starts to develop self-mastery. So Pete, any of that sound familiar to you?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I could, I mean, I've I've used an example in the work environment of how, like similar to yours, I've got two basic ones, the connector and the achiever, and then there's functional and dysfunctional parts of both those. But um, if I, well, the achiever works quite well with the connector in the work environment. We've got to get stuff done. I've got to go and connect with people so you can kind of, well, I've come to learn that you can kind of work with both in the work environment to achieve certain things or objectives that I've set myself in the work environment. But if I go home and I still do this, I'm not perfect. I go home, I'm still in an achiever mode. The connector doesn't work too well um, in the in the home environment. Um, and, like, you yeah, know, that has taken me, and there still is, as you can probably tell, is I'm still working on that, um, been able to jump between the two, for me at least I've got an awareness, I know when it's going on, um, I've then got a choice as to whether, um, which one I want to go with in the home environment, um, but it's led um, just to two simple examples of Yeah, I wouldn't have known this without doing the work.
0: Yeah, you can say that achiever part, right. Uh, <laughs> It's interesting because I've I seen with my wife. I mean, I also have a strong achiever part. Let's just talk about that for a second. So the achiever part, for those that are listening and watching, the achiever part is a part that has goals and it's task-orientated and it just drives to get things done. So when I'm in my achiever part, I don't particularly care for people. So I'm here, boom, 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 and if my wife wants to have a cuddle when I'm in my achiever part, it's like, no, I, I don't have time for this because the goals of my achiever part achieving, getting tasks done. My achiever looks at task lists, at goals. And find the, have I got those things done? And um, the lover connector part, it, its goals are connection. Okay, so they can they can be very uh, opposite in, in their value structures, these two parts that make up the personality that Pete's talking about. And I'm just loving when Pete talks because... He understands his achiever self when he's at work, understands that to achieve the goals he has for his organisation, he must embrace his lover connector. So the achiever wouldn't get too frustrated about embracing the lover connector at work because it's also fulfilling the achiever's goals. But what Pete's talking about is he may go home. And this is, just, this is really important for everyone to hear this and understand this. The achiever might go home. And you're still in that task mode, um, things to do, things to do, things to do, things to do. And Pete's wife, as an example, um, uh, could be like, oh, Pete's home now. I can't wait to see him and connect with him. And Pete might come in the door in the Achiever and she'll feel rejected. He's not rejecting her. He's just going, he's just got tasks to do. So this enables him to be conscious of that element. And I think it's important to say that without being conscious of all these elements, we can never have mastery over the relationships we have with people because we're coming from unconscious dispositions versus conscious dispositions. Anything to add to that, Pete? Probably summarise that, but is there anything you'd say to that?
1: Oh, no, that, that that's what you just said, right. And then actually, at home, I'll just two two things. I, I guess at home, the, the immediate barometer of how that's working is yes, Wendy, um, my wife would express, oh, uh, well, I can see what impact that's having, but the kids are more, uh, you can see an immediate response on the kids because the kids are a lot more um, transparent in terms of is the Achiever having an impact? And they even let me know. They don't call it Achiever, but they do let me know when when I'm not there, not present. Um, and, yeah, as I said, I'm still working on that. And then uh, just completely opposite example often you know, when you're meeting with a client or um, prospective client you you um, is in the business environment we're kind of there's there's no recognized ways of obviously conducting a meeting and and um, so forth but i it's all very well known how a meeting should be structured to get a so-called outcome but I, I do find that having a little bit of awareness of myself in that environment means that the achiever, because naturally, and then if I'm looking for an opportunity in a business environment, the achiever will want an outcome in, a meeting, in the middle of the meeting or towards the end of the meeting, when in actual fact, depending on what you're doing, it may be completely inappropriate in the stage that you're at from a client development point of view. So I think there's, there's good examples, no matter what the setting you're in, but the, um, interesting if i didn't have that awareness i think you'd have clients that would probably think well that he's, been, he's being a bit too forthright and a bit sort of um i thought we were here to have a chat not not to um go straight to where's the opportunity
0: yeah um, but, uh, that's just that's an amazing example pete because what you're talking about this is this is the, the, your so the the achiever if you go into that meeting with the achiever and then a rigid rule structure right is which is by at, at, by the 45 minute mark, I'm going to be here and closing the deal or what have you, which m- might happen if you're totally the achiever. Uh, as you quite rightly pointed out, if that's the only place that you were coming from, it could be quite easy to just ruin a relationship because the relationship wasn't calling for that at a point in time. You are kind of amazingly, because what I'm seeing you doing is through that uh, a, a deeper level of feeling awareness, and it is that Pete, you are connected to what is required for the group of people in front of you or the person in front of you from a deeper feeling level than an analytical, logical level. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So when I run a room, and you've seen me run rooms a lot, okay, and it's like, um, say, some of my coaches who are very analytical and structured, uh, and I say to them, if you go into the room with the structure to keep you feeling like you can keep control of the room, you miss what the room needs. It it's
1: only through the feeling and yeah, the Perry, Perry just funny because having been in the room and seeing you do that, not only was it confronting, because it's like, hang on, there's this is really unstructured and you're wandering all over the place. Um, when I thought there was a structure to this. Um, that's when I was, if you like, a bit more logical in what I was doing. <laughs> So where I, you know, being a little bit more relaxed about it, myself I'm talking about where you go actually there's a reason you want to go with the flow, whatever you want to call with it, call it to um, I guess still achieve an outcome, but just do it in a way that's respectful um, and brings a number of people along for the ride rather than, um, you yeah, know, achieves a certain structure for you. For the, the structure really would be coming from, you or I were really just wanting to do things in a certain way. It's got nothing to do with what, the, what people in the room want. <laughs> C- correct.
0: And, and, Pete, I think one of the things we'll close off on is, and this is a question to you, um, you know, we know that the, we, we learn to observe the different parts and, and get to know them and name them. Um, from your perspective, how important is it for you to know the beliefs of the different parts or the values of the different parts that make up your personality
1: oh very important um well, i did do a lot of work i don't do much work on it these days unless i'm really trying to dive into things but at the time when we were trying to, when i was really trying to learn this work i was going into well here's the achiever and what's its beliefs and so forth and that i think it, it sort of helps run it. well yeah, probably where it helps the most is trying to see well actually there's a there was a um, as a benefit uh, and a disbenefit or a challenge with each of these so instead of pol- having polarised views of saying the truth bad or the connector's is good actually all these parts have a reason to exist and can be useful depending on what the circumstance is and that, I don't know, the, the word acceptance has popped into my head, it's like if you can just accept those things life will certain situations it all becomes a little bit easier because you're not <laughs> wedded to one or the other. <laughs> exactly, exactly.
0: Okay, Pete, I really love today. Um anything that you want to finish off on? Any wisdom you want to share or insights you want to share?
1: Uh well just one thought that pops into my head was um way, way back I remember you saying you need to meditate more. I mean, you say it's around obviously, but um and I used to, try
0: Thanks,
1: to, everybody. to do it and fail and to give up and go for a year or something without even trying. Um, I, I got to the point where I, I can't remember what the trigger was, but I, I gave it to go it was probably only be about three, four years ago where I started doing it a little bit more regularly. Uh, now I'd probably do it four days, probably four days a week. Um, at least four or five days a week and um i really miss it when i'm not doing it and i think um i don't know if i told you this but the the only way i could get myself to do it after you know you try things multiple multiple times it doesn't work it's like this is not going to work was i remember at the time i thought well my achiever i'm just going to have to use my achiever to get this stuff done (laughs) it's complete opposite of meditation obviously but um I got oh, it started using the Achiever to get me to say, "Right, I'm going to do this now. It's only going to be five minutes," um, rather than saying, "I'm going do it for an hour" or something like that. Anyway, it's 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 moved to a point where it's just um, part of my day. I think it's probably a, a, a very good reason, or um, well, a very good, very um, helpful way to where I've you know evolved in the last few years. Anyway. Um, yeah, I, I, what, what
0: would you – oh, by the way, thank you. You sent me that uh, podcast with uh, Robert Kiyosaki from Wish Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I loved it, and where he talked about the necessity of stillness. In fact, I'm getting back into Robert Kiyosaki. Uh, at what he was doing on that podcast, that was amazing when they talked about the benefits of stillness. But, Pete, just in closing, what would you consider have been the benefits of – Learning to meditate properly over the last three or four years.
1: Um, oh, sorry, I hadn't really thought about this, but I think um, if you, I think if I even if I just stop and think about when I do it, like you go from a, a place where your head's kind of full and things are going on and you're a little bit scattered to even if you can just get like a minute or two of just head's clear, nothing there's, nothing, there's no um, noise, um, on oh, the day thereafter, goes so much better because um, because of that, um, your mind's a little bit more open, I guess, and clear, and not not being you know, all these stories are not running at the same time. You can set the agenda a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I, I you you've got your words for how you share the benefit or how you explain the benefits. Um, I'm the same, it's just, it's just amazing. It, it's like when you meditate, I, I wrote an email uh, about a month ago about the benefits of it. And that sense of, you can't, it's so much harder to be touched afterwards. You could have conflict or hassles or challenges going on, but it, it, it's, there's a brain science behind it, by the way. Well, I won't go into that right now, but that yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it you're just so centred uh, afterwards, and and troubles bounce off you, right? It's just like.
1: Yep, and I wish I mean, you know, if there's if there's one thing I wish I had it done was obviously persist with it earlier, and I and I can remember you and. Josh and others saying you should do this, you should do this, and and you know logic takes over or whatever. You've all I've always had a reason like I'm busy, I've got this to do. But it's just, I mean, this is not a big time requirement. It really is just a matter of self control or um, you know choosing choosing to do it or or not. Um, and I wouldn't have thought I'd be at this point where I could say it really does work. I I really had my doubts. At yeah, the time. yeah. <laughs> no, that's amazing.
0: But by the way, do you notice how have you had that experience yet where uh, you made and get some intuitive insight as a
1: result of it? Yeah, probably not in, not during the meditation, but no, not during in after that sort of one, or, one or two hours afterwards, sometime in that period of time, it's not like a, a light going off and I'm saying, "Look, here, it's just like, oh, that's interesting. I made that choice. Yeah. On a certain decision or whatever. I'm like, no, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would have done that if I hadn't had, had an open mind a couple of hours earlier. Yeah, but, no, that's right. Okay, Pete, thanks that's probably so not much. The reason. That's probably not the reason I'm, I've done it. It's it literally, be, yeah, that's not been the driver of me doing it. It was more just I, I literally feel so much better after doing it. Or, that, that's you know, the same for the me. The feeling is, yeah.
0: Yeah, the feeling is just. To, to me, to me, for for years, because of running multiple businesses, it was a uh, one of my ways of managing stress. I just found it the best way to manage stress, and I've, I've reset my brain as a result of it. Like my brain structure. Has, yeah. I mean, obviously, I've been a meditator for years, but um, anxiousness and things like that, I just don't have. It's like just amazing. Like I, I can remember. I actually remember the time or the period where. It's almost like my brain had been reset. I did about a year of meditation uh, where I'd meditate three times a day, quite devoutly and strongly and for long periods of time. And after that year and even before the year was up, I could tell my brain was reset. So, you know, most people run around in quite a, what's normal now, what people think is a normal state is actually a highly stressed state. And in resetting, the other thing that happens is my tolerance to stress is actually decreased. And what do I mean by that? It's not the stress itself that I don't have a tolerance for in the sense that I can wear stress, but because the benchmark of peace has been set really strongly when I sense any me getting stressed, and I think this is a really important thing to say because people think that outside things stress them. Well, it's not. And as a meditator, you really don't understand it. It's your reaction to the outside thing. And, you know, one of the things that I have, have practiced for years and continue to practice, uh, in fact, my family practices as part of our family ethos. It's, it's no matter what we're being challenged with, keeping a stress free, um, positive, but not a Pollyanna positivity. But optimistic, positive, being grateful for what you have, um, so that sort of gratitude and non-complaining. Um, yeah, an, equi- an equilibrium, a, a peace, no matter what's happening, and and I, I find that a really powerful practice. And one of the reason the I find that a powerful practice because, it, you know, most people running around in a stress state are looking for some outcome that's going to, you know. Oh, you know, I'm in business. So you, I work with business people. When I'm rich, <laughs> oh, I can be stress free. I can have, I can suddenly have peace. And in the approach of managing mind while well, you go for what you want, you, you're living in a good state regardless, right? <laughs> that, that, that's how, yeah, that's my philosophy and take on it. But anyway, I've got to go. And I really appreciate your time today, Peter. I really enjoyed catching up and having a chat. Thanks so much. Likewise. Thanks Perry. For those that are interested, uh, check out my profiling system that will show you your strengths, gifts and weaknesses as an investor or business person. And just check that out at PerryMarlon.com. It's usually sitting around on our front page. Um, and if you are a business person and you really want to go to the next level, then come and work with me in a strategy session. It's free, 45 minutes. Don't turn up unless you're willing to look at yourself because uh, I can see um, But we'll work on you and what you need to do to evolve your thinking and beliefs and behaviours and we'll also look at what's happening for your business strategically. Where are the roadblocks and how can we start moving you?